This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Talk to nicely. I've always loved creepy shit. It started off with horror books, reading Goosebumps in elementary school, later graduating onto Stephen King, Shirley Jackson, Mark Z. Danielewski, and a myriad of others. Eventually, I started writing my own scary stuff, mostly because I wanted to create stories that I would want to read for myself as a horror fan. After about a decade, I got to be marginally successful, and nowadays, it's how I pay the bills. I never thought my life would turn into a horror story, though. How ironic is that? Some people decorate their houses with colorful vases stuffed with flowers, Norman Rockwell paintings, knickknacks, and crystal sculptures of dolphins and fairy princesses. I prefer to cover my walls with freaky drawings, paintings, and prints of artworks by Francisco Goya, Anthony Christopher, and Salvador Dali. The weirder and darker, the better. I like my art the same as I like my novels, horrifying and unsettling. So when my friend Marcus sent me a text with the title, check out this painting of a creepy old lady, I laughed and clicked on the link without too much thought. I was redirected to an obscure foreign website where old and new paintings were being sold in a never-ending online auction. I hadn't heard of the auction company before, but that didn't stop me from pulling out my credit card as soon as I saw the image that had been shared with me. A woman's hypnotic, and bizarre face stared back at me, looking lifelike and yet utterly surrealistic, not to mention terrifying. Her pupils were too big and too black. Her smile stretched too wide, like a Dr. Seuss character, but devoid of any kindness or good humor. It was a portrait of an elderly woman who appeared to be in her 70s or 80s. She was dressed in dark, monastic-looking clothing, which I guessed to be a couple hundred years old. I figured it was a reproduction of an older painting, since the price tag was only $50. The style was similar to a Renaissance painting, the brush strokes well hidden, her face photographically realistic, as if painted by an old world master. The woman in the painting was sitting on an antique wooden chair with embellishments carved into the posts of the backrest. Her eyes seemed to follow me and looked back at me maliciously. The impression I got was that she was a real person staring back at me from the portrait, like glancing through a window and seeing the face of an unknown stranger standing just outside. I felt as if she could reach through the screen and grab hold of me if she wanted to. Without hesitating, I put in my credit card details before somebody else could buy it. The thing was just too weird to pass up. 
After a week or so of waiting, the parcel arrived on my doorstep. I had semi-forgotten about it by that point, since I had been busy with other things. But as soon as I saw its distinctive flat, rectangular shape, wrapped in brown parcel paper, I remembered my impulse purchase and brought it inside with giddy delight, happy to unwrap it right away. As soon as I had it open, my heart dropped and I felt sick, like I could throw up. I had rarely felt buyer's remorse, but I definitely did when I looked down at the woman's face staring back at mine. She looked alive and she looked undeniably evil. I couldn't explain why I felt that way, but I did. The idea of hanging the thing on my wall repulsed me. Just touching it felt like picking up a handful of maggots. It made my skin crawl. After putting it down, I wanted nothing more than to get rid of it. But it felt wrong to just throw it in the garbage. I've never been that type of person, especially with art. It didn't matter how creepy it was, someone had put a lot of time and effort into it. Yet, it was far too disturbing to hang up on a wall in the living room where I would see it all the time. More than just disturbing, I seemed to be having a physical reaction to it like I had never felt before. I could feel a knot growing in my stomach. I went into the kitchen and took the oven mitts from on top of the fridge. I picked the portrait up with them and held it out in front of me as if it was radioactive. I brought it down to the basement of my house and set the giant frame down against a wall on the floor, thinking I would leave it there for a while. Out of sight, out of mind, I told myself. There was no way to get it out of my thoughts though. I kept seeing the woman's face every time I blinked, her glassy black eyes and too wide grin. I couldn't sleep that night thinking about her down below me in the basement. I felt like I could almost hear her moving around down there. The gentle creak of her footsteps stepping quietly across the floorboards. But that was impossible, I told myself. Those things were impossible. Still, I didn't sleep, not even for a second. The following night, I went down to the basement to do laundry and I walked past the painting the woman's stern black eyes seemed to follow me as I went by. Her entire body was cloaked in a shadow, the gloomy details of her face barely visible in the portrait's low light. It was late at night and I lived alone, so I was more than a bit freaked out when I heard something loudly topple over when I turned my back to her, causing a shiver to run up my spine. I dropped the laundry basket and spun around to look, she was staring at me from her place in the portrait. She had not moved, and yet her eyes seemed to be following me. The faintest movement barely noticeable with the naked eye. There was something else too. A box had toppled over, spilling its contents on the chair beside the painting. And yet I had not stepped anywhere near enough to disturb it. The woman's smile seemed to have grown wider as well crooked teeth staring to peek out from underneath her broken, bloody lips. Had they looked like that before? Maybe that was just my imagination. I decided not to look closer. I imagined her suddenly climbing out of the painting as I leaned in to inspect it, crawling out of the frame like the girl in the ring and racing towards me quickly on all fours. 
shaking that image from my mind, I picked up the bin again and reluctantly turned away. I quickly put the laundry in the washing machine and turned it on, then walked past her again on my way back upstairs. There was no mistaking it. Her grin had stretched wider, and beneath that, I saw a long row of teeth, dirty, crooked, and utterly inhuman. I was sure it hadn't looked like that before. Was I seeing things due to my lack of sleep? I wiped my eyes and blinked, examining the painting again. No teeth. And yet, I had been so sure a second earlier. Unable to stand looking at it for one more moment, I decided to do something. My heart was beating rapidly in my chest, and my hand was shaking as I reached down and flipped the painting around so that it faced the wall. Her smile seemed to shrink a little bit, her eyes following my hand, brows furrowing as she looked up at me reaching over to grab the top of the picture frame. My skin crawled again when I touched it. I fought the urge to retch and spun it around quickly as if it would burn me if I held on for too long. When she was facing the wall, I felt no better, only more uneasy, as if I had turned my back on a deadly enemy. Again that night, I heard someone in the basement moving around, walking from room to room. I was just glad she didn't come up the stairs, but I had a feeling she would, and soon. That whole night, I stayed awake, listening for the footsteps. Every so often, I would hear them, and every so often, there would be a titter of muffled laughter, bemused and unsettling. The next morning, I called a friend over. I needed someone else to look at it, to make me feel less alone, I suppose. I was hoping the presence of another person would make things better somehow, but I was wrong. My friend Brent came by, and I brought him down to the basement immediately. He took one look at the painting, which was now mysteriously tipped over, facing upwards, then walked straight out of the room saying, nope. He went back up the stairs and out the front door of the house, much to my amazement. I followed him and stood with him on the front steps. Brent was out there with his hands on his knees, bent over and looking oddly out of breath. But then I realized he wasn't just short of breath. He was completely terrified. Where the hell did you get that thing? He asked, his speech fast and stuttering. You can't keep it. You can't. It's evil, possessed. It looked right at me. How can you sleep with a thing in your house? Brent hadn't stuttered since back in elementary school, except the odd time when he was really stressed out. He'd seen speech language experts for years and had eventually cured himself of the speech disorder. It only came out when he was really upset. I haven't. I haven't slept a wink since I got that thing. He looked me dead in the eyes. Get rid of it. I told him I would, with every intention of throwing it in the trash or burning it after he left. But for some strange reason, I could not. I decided I had to do something with it first. I had to find out some answers. The next day, after another restless night of tossing and turning, I brought the painting out to my car. We were going to go for a little drive together. I had wrapped it up in a blanket and the portrait was covered up so nobody could see it. Mostly because I didn't want to look at it, especially while I was driving. There was an art expert about a two hour drive away from my house. I had looked him up online and found he was a well-established authority 
on all things creepy and disturbing. It had taken a while to find someone with his reputation. The better part of the previous day, in fact. While I drove, I looked back at the painting in the rearview mirror occasionally. From underneath the blankets, I could have sworn I saw subtle movement. The bend and ripple of the sheet kept catching my eye and distracting me from the road ahead. It could have been the wind, but it wasn't. I was certain of it. You've got yourself quite an antique by the looks of it, the man said, beginning to pull back the blanket to reveal the gilded frame. I realized I was holding my breath, closing my eyes, waiting for his reaction when he saw the horrifying woman in the portrait. But when he finally gasped in astonishment, I realized it was not a fearful sound, but one of admiration. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Sax.com. Remarkable. Opening my eyes, I looked at what he was seeing. The face of the woman in the portrait was not the same. I did a double take and wondered for a moment if he had switched them out when I wasn't paying attention. But no, it was the same frame, the same woman in the portrait, only her expression had changed remarkably. Instead of the horrifying smile, she now wore a benign look on her face, a passive, good-natured smirk that I was unaccustomed to seeing on her. Magnificent chiaroscuro. That's a technique which involves heavy-handed use of shadows and darkness with little light, in case you aren't familiar. But the brushstrokes? My goodness. Utterly invisible, he said, holding up a loop to examine it closely. It looks as if she's alive. Someone went through a lot of trouble to make this. Do you have the provenance? The bravo what? I should have known the word. I did, in fact, but was far too tired to remember what it meant at that moment. I'd now gone nearly four full days without sleep and was dead on my feet. Any idea of its origins or its age? No, sorry. I got it online at this site, I said, pulling out my phone and trying to show him. But the website no longer existed as far as I could tell. Weird. I guess it's down right now. I'll send you the URL. He thought about it for a few minutes, going over the painting with various tools and magnifying lenses. Ah, here's something, he said excitedly. What's that? I asked. Damn, I can only see part of the signature. I'll have to take it out of the frame. Can you leave it with me until tomorrow? I agreed, unsure of how to explain to him the situation other than to say, be careful with it. In retrospect, I guess I should have. I should have at least tried. Poor bastard. The yard expert didn't pick up the phone the following day, and I thought maybe he just needed more time with the piece. But inside, I knew something was very wrong already. I had slept for the first time in four nights, no longer hearing the footsteps creaking on the floorboards beneath me anymore. 
and I wanted one more night of peace before hearing the truth from the man I'd left the picture with. Selfish, I know. In retrospect, I was just terrified to go back there. Who knew what I would find? After one more night of rest, I called the art expert again, and once more I received no answer, no callback. Getting worried for the old guy now, I got in my car and started driving first thing in the morning. I didn't eat breakfast, feeling like I would throw it up if I did. Despite the lack of food in my belly, it felt like there was a cinder block sitting inside of it the whole drive there. I just hoped he was okay. When I arrived at the man's studio, I found the front door was unlocked. I entered the small foyer and found it dark and empty inside. He did not come out to greet me this time, and the sense of dread I was feeling continued to grow and swell inside of me. With slow, careful steps, I began to walk through the foyer towards the door where his studio was kept. That was where I had last left him, and I hoped that I would open the door to find him standing there, working on something. I no longer cared about the painting. In fact, I hoped that he had destroyed it in my absence. That way I wouldn't have to do it. The last two nights had given me a clearer mind and the sleep had afforded me perspective and insight into the situation. The thing had to be destroyed, but it had some power over me which had prevented me from doing so. I had been tricked into hanging onto it and showing it to more and more people. Pushing open the door marked studio, I went inside the dark room. Hello? I called out in the blackened space. A soft gurgling noise responded. It sounded bubbly and wet. I reached over to turn on the light, but found it no longer worked. The room stayed drenched in darkness. And then I heard that same familiar titter of laughter I had heard from my basement. Her. My heart now pounding in my chest, I swallowed a dry lump in my throat. Reaching for my phone, I pulled it out and tried with trembling fingers to turn on the flashlight app. My hands were shaking so badly I dropped the phone. I bent down to pick it up and heard movement in the darkness. It was getting closer. There was another sound as well, a soft drip, drip, drip like a leaky roof, only coming from several different places. Picking up the phone from the floor, I managed to unlock it as I felt a presence move past me in the darkness. The air around me suddenly felt cold as a winter's night, and I found myself shivering and shaking even more as I finally got the flashlight turned on. The light came on, casting the room in its harsh white glow. Chiaroscuro. A grotesque sort of art exhibit had been created in the studio, but not by the resident art expert who I had met two days prior. No, he had not made this monstrosity, but he was certainly a part of it. The whole room was filled with his entrails, strung up and down and across the perimeter like party streamers. He was at the center of it all. His body had been disemboweled and his guts had been pulled out and wrapped around the room. His limbs had been removed as well, but were nowhere to be seen. That was when I saw the most horrifying part. He was still somehow alive. His mouth opened and closed like a fish out of water his skin partially missing from his face, revealing stark white bone beneath, ligaments and tendons. Came from his mouth, and I noticed his tongue had been removed as well, and blood was pouring out, causing him to cough and choke occasionally. 
The walls had been painted with his blood, which was everywhere. Various symbols which I did not recognize were on every inch of the room, ceilings, floors, and walls. They looked druidic and ancient, their meanings unknown to me. As I looked around, I remembered the noise I had heard by the door. I spun and saw her standing there in the darkness, the woman from the painting. She was dressed in a dark robe and her grin was wider than ever, large and open with silent laughter. Blood was smeared around her mouth. In her hand, she held the painting itself, only she was no longer in it. The background was black and empty, now missing its subject. Realizing suddenly what was happening, I noticed that her entrancing eyes were coming towards me. She was coming towards me. How long had I been standing there, zoned out? The only thing which had snapped me out of it was the gurgling screams of the art expert, sounding desperate and terrified. She held the picture frame out in front of her, as if to capture me in it. My heart beating fast, I did the only thing I could think to do. I shone my phone's flashlight straight in her eyes, hoping it would be her weakness. A creature born of the shadows and of the darkness, I thought maybe the light would do something to stop her. It worked. The second the glare hit her eyes, she put her hands up to shield her face, covering it with the picture frame. But her hands continued to burn and sizzle like a vampire in the sun. Still, she continued moving toward me. Terrified, I backed up, tripping over a chair and falling to the floor. The phone fell from my hand and clattered away in the direction of the art expert. His face was lit up, looking at me in its harsh glow. Gosh, Mitch, he yelled struggling to speak without a tongue, looking close to death from blood loss. He was looking at the wall and I could see a light switch there. Struggling to my feet, I saw she was nearly on top of me and heard her quietly whispering some sort of prayer or chant under her breath. I ducked away just as she brought down the portrait where my head was a moment before. I had the feeling if I hadn't gotten out of the way, I would be stuck inside that painting now, just like she had been. In the dull light, I managed to find the light switch on the nearby wall with my hand and flicked it on, casting the entire room in harsh white artificial light. The woman from the painting screamed, her skin boiling and steaming in the glow of the fluorescence. Boils and blisters bloomed and burst on her skin, pus and blood running out in a stream. Covering her face with her robes, she ran to the door and fled just as she was about to catch fire, judging by the looks of it. I hoped she would leave but she didn't. Her footsteps stopped just outside the door. She's still out there in the foyer, waiting for me in the darkness, waiting for the sun to go down, waiting for me to try and leave. I can hear her pacing as she waits for me to come out, the next subject for her painting. The art expert is dead now. He stopped breathing a few minutes ago. It's just me left, with his bloody guts strewn around the room and strung up like a giant intestinal spiderweb all around me. The drip, drip, drip begins to slow down as his blood coagulates, and the blood-painted symbols on the walls begin to move and shift and morph as the one working fluorescent bulb in the room flickers and suddenly goes out. I really wish I'd just burned that damn painting.